Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Potential Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. And at any time, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, and my dwarf pal, Taylor Sokol. Uh, today, we're going to review the new fantasy television series, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which debuted this year on Amazon Prime Video. This is a new series that is set in the second age of Middle-earth. This is uh, thousands of years before the age that we know The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings is uh, taking place in. And uh, this is very exciting because we we just did a whole episode on Lord of the Rings, Taylor, uh, with our buddy Mitch Golden, uh, your future cousin, and uh, talking about how much that series really has meant to people. The the works of Tolkien, in terms of books, the adaptations, both some of the cartoons we've seen, and the amazing movies with Peter Jackson, to have this come out years later uh, by Amazon. Not with Peter Jackson. This is a whole new team taking a, a crack at Middle Earth, and to tell a very different part of the history of Middle Earth, uh, with some characters we definitely are familiar with, uh, much younger, of course, and a bunch of new characters. And really, to think of that prologue from the Lord of the Rings, of three rings were were given to the elves, and this many to the dwarfs, and this many to men, but then there was the one ring made in secret by the Dark Lord Sauron. How did those rings even get made? That's the point of the show, is kind of that era. Uh, so we're excited to check it out. Also, we heard so many things about the show costing several hundred million dollars uh, with a potential five-season arc. So, uh, yeah, a lot to discuss here. So 
If you've not actually gone and watched all eight episodes of this first season, this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. We will be discussing some big plot points and characters. So if you've not seen the show, go see it, come back, and listen to our review. So, Taylor, as of the two of us, the person who is not as uh, familiar with maybe all of the Tolkien uh, world and stuff, what was your anticipation for this show at first before we kind of dive into the, the the big spoilers and all the plot points? Well, I felt that it was going to be hard. I, I had a lot of um, high hopes for it because what we discussed on that uh, our big Middle Earth um, Lord of the Rings episode, just the grand scale, what the films did, how was that going to translate to the show? Um, what we've seen and proven um, that studios like HBO have, you know, Netflix and all these, you know, streaming services and companies have done, they've proven that they can create a grand scale and these, these epic worlds in a much smaller screen. So I had really like high hopes for it. Seeing the trailer, I didn't really, I thought, oh, this is great, but I don't think the trailer really did it justice. I think once I started watching the show, I was like, wow, that's that they really undersold. Um, a lot of you know and I was really impressed of what looked like CGI um, didn't what would probably was CGI didn't look everything looked very well well done and you know my hats off to I'm just going to say you know just the production value of you know the costumes the attention to detail um, and just the grand scale you know of the settings you know particularly like the cities um, and you know some of the more close-up shots of, you know, fight scenes and everything, that I was really, really impressed. Yeah, I think my anticipation was pretty high uh, just because I am such a fan of the Middle-Earth type of world and what the show potential could be. Um, and I, I I think we, we've seen this big trend of the prequel or the how did, how did this get made? How did this become such a thing? And even in the original trilogy... Sauron is like a character that we don't really know a whole lot about. We kind of see him at the end of his prime before he's defeated. And then we don't see him for, you know, until we notice that, oh, he's this big eyeball on this tower. Uh, how does that even make sense? How does it work? And really what the power of this ring is. So we don't really get a lot about who he was really in this prime. And this show, I think, was a great way to kind of be like, like the real premise of the show is Sauron is in hiding or believed to be dead. And it's mostly we're like in a time of peace. And then we have a bit of this orc uprising happening in the Southlands, which is eventually going to become Mordor and kind of where this, this great evil has been kind of lurking and how, Small things about what was the war before and the war to come are now taking effect in different realms, especially for the elves. The elves are basically facing a, a crisis of death if they don't either get off Middle-earth and go to you know the, the, the place that really is going to uh, be okay for them to, to live all the rest of their days, or they have to figure out plan B, and that's a big part of how that's going to affect what the materials are that are going to help build these rings. So I did kind of like that the pieces are there. Uh, and like you said, the visual element of this show is breathtaking. It you, you see the money on the screen. I mean, I think roughly every episode was given like 50 million, which is insane for TV. 
and it's visually crazy. I mean, it's you got all the armor, all the weapons, all the costumes, all the makeup, but it is these settings. It is some of these CGI wonders like Numenor. It is just, I mean, it's like this place is huge. This island paradise, the elf kingdom is really cool. Casa Doom, we see Casa Doom in Fellowship of the Ring. It's devastated because we know yep. it looks inside Casa Doom and they dug too deep. You're seeing Kazadu in its prime. Like they have like crops. There be like I don't, this is all you know these giant caves. So I think yeah, there's so much to enjoy. Where this where the show kind of fell for most people is uh uh the plot or at least picking up the plot. I think you know for a lot of people it didn't really pick up to a heavier pace like other shows till the second half, and it's hard when it's like all right we're ready for more action or more something going on. But I think a lot of this is set up for what is to come. So I, Taylor, wanted to kind of just break down, realistically, there's kind of like four main storylines going on. First off, probably the easiest to talk about is the Harfoots and this mystery person known as the Stranger. So this was kind of cool because we don't have hobbits in this yet. I think Harfoots are clearly like a precursor to hobbits. Yeah. Um, just a little more... Yeah, maybe like a cousin or like, you know, it's like maybe they, eventually. They, they were like the borrowers and the hobbits combined because they just were under <laughs> the borrowers. I was <laughs> like, yeah, hey. they did. <laughs> they were a little more like earthly, if that makes sense. Like they looked a little more of they the They were hippie earth. hobbits. That's what they were. Yeah, hippie in hobbits. a way. I love the design of like they all have like grass and like grain and different things like bushes like in their hair and like the way they look. And a big part of their plot is they're they're migrating to what is their like safe area for the season and again it's like it's really a safe time but there are things out there that could get them and having this plot of this this like comet in the sky going down and this dude in this comet hitting the earth and it's like well who the heck is that you know <laughs> they're like, it's a dude on a star it's, yeah it's just a naked dude and like and he's tall that's the thing too i liked about the harfoots they really kept up the whole like they're tiny but this plot really of Nori, who is like our young kind of Frodo-like character that we're following, very inquisitive, very um, fun to watch. She obviously has like a a bit more of a brave side than maybe some of her fellow family members. And she takes a liking to this stranger who we start to see has magical powers. He doesn't really talk much. He kind of doesn't really know any language. Um, but he does know a little bit of these magic words. And so it did leave a lot of people wondering, is this Sauron or Gandalf or somebody else? Yeah. And I think that plot kind of continued the whole season. It did feel like he he would always have these moments where it felt like he was trying to do good, but it always ended up being bad. Like someone got hurt or something happened. And it did almost feel like he didn't know like where his place was. And would he be would he be a concern of threat to these these little harfoots? And I, I like the character work with this uh, actress Daniel Wayman, who plays a stranger. He he felt very it's almost like a newborn kind of like just rediscovering the earth, but he is this old man who has like powers. <laughs> you know, it's like so that that there was an interesting plot line for this part of the show. And to ultimately have these, these three like, kind of like witch-like characters that clearly are followers of Sauron or have something to do with Sauron. One of them had a staff. 
that had the eye. And remember all the all the posts before the show came out. I was like, "Is is the Eminem looking dude uh, Sauron? It's actually a girl in the show, unless they're they them. There might be they them. Um, but what do you think? You know, from a little bit of seeing the Hobbit of like the kind of the spirits that the wraiths have, the ring wraiths, they kind of had similar powers to that. They could kind of like pretend to be other people. Well, and we and we see um, later when they, <clears throat> and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I thought that was kind of cool because. Definitely, if even if you're not versed in the Lord of the Rings uh, stories, novels, Hobbit, and you've seen the movies, though, uh, there will be something here for you to kind of co- the connective tissue and a lot of that. So I was like, ooh, that's kind of I did like them because they were very like, uber creepy and very um, they definitely felt like a threat. And I was like, ooh, these guys, you don't want to mess with them. Yeah, definitely creepy. And they also have some kind of dark magic going on and. They didn't pop up till very like the last couple episodes, so that I was like, okay, they're 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 popping up here. Uh, but I said earlier, the elves are facing kind of a crisis. There is this the huge tree. The yeah, the blight. They have this huge tree that um was kind of the source of life and power. And during the war with Morgoth, who was Sauron's like lieutenant above him, like you know, Sauron was like a lieutenant for Morgoth. Uh, the tree became poisoned with this blight and that is now affecting them to know that they might not be able to stay in Middle Earth anymore. They might have to go to the the, the Greylands and live out the rest of their days. And the storyline of Elrond um, coming in, he's much younger, of course, to strike up his friendship again with Durin, who is the son of the current king of Khazad-dûm and how to go to Khazad-dûm and mine for Mithril was, I think, a lot of a great, like, great character work in this show. That it wasn't always action-packed with them, but the the character work of an elf and a dwarf. It's like we've seen this before with Gimli and Legolas, and this felt very much of that. That it was like brotherly love from two different races that really don't get along with each other. Um, and clearly, his dad does not approve of like him being there. But there was some cool stuff with that character line that I, I was like I could I could have a lot of that in this show. Yeah, cool. I'm ready for another spinoff. Um, <laughs> Owen and, and Elrond, uh, the you know the younger years. Yeah, give us give us that spinoff. But uh, that I thought was was a great way to kind of set up that oh they they need a mind for Mithril to the help. You know, they showed that whole part was really cool about like. He had the one little thing of mithril and the leaf that was all damaged and he like rolled it and then the the leaf completely healed. So I was like, oh, this stuff can heal the elves if we can harness it power somehow. But of course, the king Durin does not approve of them taking all the mithril. And yes, we did get that little cool shot. That's clearly going to be a huge moment at some point in maybe season two. Uh, Way down deep in the depths of Khazad-dûm, there is a Balrog lurking down there, uh, which we know destroys all of Khazad-dûm, so that's going to be probably pretty hectic in Season 2. Um, but it, it did kind of get to the point where it was like, they even though the king has banned it from happening, I think Durin, the son, is going to be like, I'm going to be king, and it's my it's my choice. Um, I mean, by the end, the king had thrown like the crown down. He's like, you will never be king. Um, so that's that was kind of left too, you know. Yeah, the relationship is pretty strained, uh, and up to that point, it's the, a precipice. So that'll definitely play into season two. Um, and I think because of his 
uh, desire to rule, it's going to, you know, they're like, we got to keep mining. And that's what's going to, you know, spell doom for the for the dwarves. So, yeah, that was uh, I really like that. I also liked uh, his relationship with um, Disa's wife um, and the princess cause of doom. I really I did enjoy those scenes uh, quite a bit. That was some of my favorite stuff. But uh, really, the main chunk of this show, apart from those two plot lines, is we do have Galadriel. So we have Morfid Clark, who plays the young version of Galadriel, and she still fully believes that Soren is out there. That's how the show kind of starts. Is she's with this group of elves? They're way off in some distant land. It's like the Arctic, and uh, there's an ice troll in this cave, and she kills this troll very fast. So clearly, she's very strong. Very everyone's uh, getting knocked around. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she goes like slice, 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 and dice dead. Oh, that was that was quick. All right, we keep going, man. And they're like, "What?" We see this symbol, and it's like, "Oh, so she fully believes that Soren's out there." But at some point, it's you know Elrond and the King of the Elves is like, "You've done all you can do. Soren's nowhere. It's time to go to you know. It's time to go home. It's part of her desire because she's looking for revenge for her brother, but also this this." this desire to eradicate evil in Middle Earth because she knows that it's the job's not done. But of course, everyone around her is like, okay, lay your sword down, literally and figuratively. Yeah, so they're like, um, it's time to go. So on on the boat to where she would be going to back to the like the the kingdom of the elves to eventually, you know, spend her her days, she like last minute is like, uh, and she jumps off the boat and literally it's like, now she's in the middle of the ocean. And even though she's an elf, I'm like, uh, lady, you couldn't have chose that before the boat left. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, so she's in the middle of the boat and she gets picked up by Halbrand, played by Charlie Vickers, uh, the Southlander man who uh, he's he looks like his whole ship's been destroyed, too. They, they have a cool this was kind of a fun little like I felt like it was kind of like we have money, so might as well do it. You know, when you look up a, a fantasy book or most books of like fiction, sometimes there's a map on there of like, you know, what is all the, where's everything is, is a lot of these maps. And this is a thing from like pirates and treasure days. There's always like a little sea monster in the corner, you know? And I feel like they took that to heart and were like, we should have a sea monster moment. That was kind of what that scene felt like, you know, it was like, let's, let's have a giant fish just pile through and try to eat them. Uh, But uh, yeah, she's saved by this man. And, they eventually get picked up and are taken almost kind of like, like in a way, like uh, prisoners, if you will, to Numenor, uh, which is not part of Numenor. It's on, it's like, you know, an island off, uh, I guess you will. And I will say the moment that we got to Numenor, I was just like, whoa, there's some of that money. Like thinking of the, when you look at Gondor and Minas Tirith, like this huge city, this outdid that. It was just like, oh yeah. And this is this is one of the the big moments when I told you earlier. I was like, wow, this is this is where the budget, the budget was, was sure. well tenfold. Just because like the harbor, the ships coming in, these bridges, these huge towering statues, everything there, and we find out that in Numenor there is uh, there is a king, but he's very very sick, very ill, and he's up like in his tower. So really, we're following uh, Muriel, who's played by Cynthia Adai Robinson, and she's the Queen Regent of Numenor. So um, she is kind of running everything, and and they don't really know that there's like a threat going on in Middle-earth. They've been kind of living peacefully on their island, 
And Galadriel is kind of co- trying to convince them that I do fully believe that Sauron is still out there. And I think there's going to be a orc uprising in Middle Earth. And we need to go, we need to go save these people and help them. And I did think it was kind of interesting. We, a big character here, we have Elendil, who is this uh, sea captain, and he's Isildur's father, um, which I believe is that Isildur that we know of for later. Uh, he's kind of a big part of this whole chapter of the men. He's he is kind of our captain figure, and because the king is really kind of absent, he kind of takes all the orders and is figuring things out. And it was interesting to see that relationship with like his son and some of the younger guys of like the desire to actually go to war and to want to do almost because I think they think that's a part of honor and they don't really realize that like going to war is not, it's not fun. It's not pretty. It's it's not pretty. Um, but, uh, yeah, we do, we have this, like, there is this vision going on that Numenor is to be fully, washed away by like this giant tsunami wave and so that's kind of a threat to the thinking that maybe if we don't if we don't go to middle earth and take care of things this could be what actually is the fate the threat will come here yeah yeah and so we do have this huge expedition to go to middle earth and good thing they are doing that because our other men characters is bronwyn and theo and they are in the southlands and we do have this orc uprising going on but luckily, they have a little bit of help. They do have Erendir, the uh, elf, played by Ismael Cruz Cordova, who is our badass elf, and he's been uh, <laughs> he's been over here in the Southlands, and he's um, he's in love with Bronwyn. So that was kind of cool. We have this like another human elf relationship, which is There's quite a few in Tolkien's, which I I think is really interesting. Um, so we do have this orc uprising going on, and. This was actually, I thought, really well done. We talked about on our big episode of Middle-Earth that the Hobbit lacked some of the stuff because the orcs were CGI. Majority CGI, yeah. Ocean capture, a lot of CGI. This is not the case. We have a bunch of stuntmen and actors in very good makeup and costumes. And they look very menacing, the orcs. Um, And even like... One of the first times Theo is getting like chased by this orc in his house. This thing is like fast and brutal and strong. It's intense. And they're led by um, an Uruk, Adar, who's an, an elf corrupted of Melkor. Um, and I love, this is another great actor or performer. We've got a little crossover from Game of Thrones there. He played Benjen Stark. Uh, and he he does a really good job as kind of being this leader of the orcs. Um, and I thought he, he plays it with such... Um, a quiet menace and i did like how it wasn't like not in a very um he, you could see that there's there's something more to his character and i really like that he, he with very few words he just has that presence on screen i just love that yeah there is this malice to him but it's like calculated and he's very he's very like he's not like aggressive which i thought was really interesting um and just the idea of the orcs being led by this kind of corrupted dark elf uh, that and yeah, Melkor, which is another name for Morgoth, um, and kind of like the the beginning of the orcs. And what I thought was interesting too was you immediately go to, oh, that has to be Sauron then, because he is uh, 
clearly fits the bill. He's uh, creepy. He's darker. He has the whole thing works. Uh, seems fitting, but he's not. He's not Sauron. Uh, and actually, a moment uh, uh, coming up with a, a huge moment of plot, which I'll get to in a second. He actually, in this kind of monologue, talking to Galadriel when he's kind of in prison, even mentions that he killed Sauron. So that was a big kind of like, did he Wait. say that on a, like, like, Wait, was that like a, a fake no. the death moment or what are you talking about? But um, Theo does find this creepy looking sword, like Holt thing that like, it looks like it should have a blade to it, but it doesn't. And it's actually some connected thing to Sauron. And clearly the orcs are after this, Adar's after this. And so this was like, a lot of the plot with, with the, the men in the Southlands was we're outnumbered, we're on the run, we have to try to take down these orcs. And clearly, yes, the elf and other men do help with some of that, but it's not like they don't have like a lot of power against these guys. And it was a very Lord of the Rings moment to have like that huge episode where the orcs are like coming in at night and they're just like wrecking house. And you think everyone's going to be done for. And then Galadriel and the whole army like show up and, and it's swooping like, in, da, 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 you know, and they just, they just kill all these orcs. And it's like they have a door captured and it's like they they did it. They got it. And the thing, too, I liked was they, they talk about how orcs in this time do not go out in the sun. They actually get burned, kind of like how vampires are. So, like, they can't even go out in the sun. All that changed when we had this huge moment where. We have this idiot character who the whole season is like, have you heard of him? Have you heard of Sauron? You always have that crazy guy that like believes in like, you know, so we have this idiot dude who um he actually gets the, he gets the, the blade thing and he puts it in this key hold and he turns it. And somehow Sauron or maybe his people had made this whole device that creates this giant chain effect where this like, under the city, there's all these like catacombs, if you will, and like holes. All gets filled with water, and it goes all the way to the big dormant they thought volcano, and it makes the volcano explode. And it was such a cool shot to see like all that happen, and the volcano starting to explode. Everyone's trying to escape, and Galadriel just turns, and she realizes like it's almost it was almost like a what have we done. And the cloud is like, dun, 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 dun. And that's how the episode ended. And it was like, oh, God damn, that was epic. And thus forth, Mordor has been born. That was really cool. I thought, you know, if they're not going to give a lot of big reveals yet for the first season, that was a great way to kind of set that up. Which is a, it's such a great scene where you see uh, Dar kind of looking out with all the orcs. And they're like, yes, we can come out during the day, taking off their little shawls and mask. And it's like, Southland's like, Mordor. I was like, yes, that's I got really excited about that part. So that's really gonna be that's gonna be fun to see how that continues. Being now the orcs have the whole place to live that they don't need to be out in, in coverage and all that stuff. But uh yeah, the season did eventually end with we do have the we have Halbrand has been injured in this moment, so we think. And it's like he'll need elf magic to heal. Huh, what are we going to take him to the elf kingdom, which he is? And then there, of course, we have um, Celebrimbor, played by Charles Edwards, who's been struggling of how to harness this mithril and harness these, these you know, gems. And then Halbrand's just like magically kind of healed. And he's like, 
oh, what are you, uh, what are you doing over here? He's like, well, I'm trying to. He's like, well, I am a smith myself, you know, so I uh, could help you. And it was that. It was there's earlier moments I think in the show where you really can pick up that something's off about Halbrand, but this was like, a, I'm like, you got to give it to him. He was pretty clever to get all the way to here and trying to help set up like, oh no, we shouldn't make a crown. We should make two crowns. Actually, maybe we make it smaller, but easier to carry. So like we do get to the process of the elves figuring out how to make the three rings for the elves. But Galadriel does get a little research done of the line of the Kings of Southland. And she confronts Halbrand and is like, the line of that king died years ago. This isn't, you, you're not this person. And then instantly it's like, who, who are you? And he's like, I've always gone by many names. And you're like, confirm this is Sauron. So that was kind of clever to think of like, how would they, they could have done so many different plots with Sauron. I know that a lot of in the books, he's supposed to be like a dark elf. And so I do wonder if we're going to see his true form at some point, or if this is just the form he's taking. Um, but we get this really cool moment where he just kind of goes off on her of like, look, I know I did evil in the past, but we're looking at a whole new world. You can join me by my side, be my queen essentially. And it, I love that line where it's like um, something along the lines of like, you know, we can basically rule the world. It's like, you know, it's like, like have people follow you or rule them. And he's like, I don't see the difference. So like you see like, Behind the eyes, like this dude wants power and he wants it now. Um, and that was that really cool shot where he's talking to her and like it looks like they're underwater, and then it flips around and you see the shadow of Sauron with his armor and Galadriel oh, so kind of cool. like that was a visually just such a cool moment. Uh but he he pieces out and even Elrond finds the little scroll that has and he's like, Where did Halbrand go? And Galadriel's like Wherever he is now, we won't be seeing him many times soon. Uh, and it's, I think it, it was a kind of a good plot point of like, would anyone believe her? And also, if if she let Sauron go after all this time of questing, how? Yeah, what would she look like? And like how? Like you let him go, and you were how, with him this whole time. How devastated! And I think that was a great thing for her character. The whole time she's been dead set, and then she's aligned herself with him. There was almost a little bit of romantic. Um, sexual tension so i'm like mm. and then all of a sudden you what and i'm like yeah i i think that was um the biggest you know character thing for any of the her and hats off to her she has this great intensity as a young galadriel amorphous clark and she just very intense and i just love every scene she was in because oh man it was just it was just so good and that you you when she that reveals on you just see like i can't breathe like what is you know oh so good just so hard to like what do you do now like you can't you can't just go back and be like uh he's sauron it's like now what do you do and i have to kind of throw that thin line the three rings do get made they had a really cool visual shot where they put the mithril kind of like in the flame and as it was spinning they kind of made the eye of sauron which is really cool um and it, it it was even cool too the the shot of like the rings were made and then all of a sudden the eye of that Sauron zoomed out and it was Halbrand Sauron in Mordor looking a little more badass. He kind of his hair was kind of in the wind. He had yeah. more of a darker cloak on and he's just looking at what we know will be Mount <laughs> Doom. And it was like, yeah, I'm here now. Yeah. Um and that was kind of the season. Um uh, 
you know, the big plot point that we we, we kind of teased earlier was yes, we have the, like I said the three witches are kind of like followers of Sauron, and they're trying to take out the. They believe that the stranger is Sauron, so they go and follow him, and they even at, at some point almost try to kill the Harfoots, and he does at first kind of get a little bit on the oh he's going to lose side, but then he finds his strength again, and I like how Nori hands him like one of the staves of the witch threes and he's like who are you you're not Sauron and he's like I am good and he's like I cast you back to the shadow you came from and that was a really cool visual where like they all became like the ring wraith looking kind of things and then they all turned into like butterflies and like were banished away <laughs> kind of remind me of a uh, little Nikki like release the good <laughs> and again it does kind of he even goes like I think I should go to the east and Nori decides to go with him and she's like, well, I don't know which way to go. I'm very much like Frodo. And he goes, let's go this way. How can you tell? It has a better smell. Always follow your nose. So it's like we're now using the same dialogue that Gandalf even says. So I think they're they're heavily implying Gandalf. And he is a wizard. But he they could throw us a curveball and be that he's one of the blue wizards. And they're just using a little bit of familiar language. So I think we're going to have a lot more of the stranger. I think it's going to be very exciting could, to see could where... Could be Gandalf's father. Who knows? Maybe they have... <laughs> maybe they have we don't know. Could it be Radagast the Brown? And he's <laughs> off uh, looking for nuts and stuff. Who knows? But overall, I think the, the, the show had a lot of great promise, a lot of great setup. There are some great battles. The lore is there. It now feels like the show is going to start. Like the... the it, like. It, it, and we'll talk about this when we do our review for House of the Dragon. This week is kind of our fantasy battle week. Both seasons feel like there's a lot of stuff to enjoy, but where the season left off is like now the real fun begins mm-hmm. in a way. 100%. So for me, from the visuals to the music, Howard Shore back to compose the main theme for the show. The music was great. Um, the production value is insane, the visuals. And even though it was maybe the strongest plot to start, I think it did pick up. It left off on a great note. I think we have a lot of great setup for the other seasons. Again, this is aiming to be a five-season show, and they already have the last shot planned out. So I'm very excited. Unfortunately, I do think we're going to have to wait till 2024 to get season two. But uh, for me, Rings of Power is going to sit somewhere in that 7-8 range. Uh, I, I do dock it a little bit for not the best plot to start with, but I think it did pick up. Uh, but for everything else, I had really had a good time with this. Yeah, uh, for not being as well-versed in the Tolkien verse, if you will, I would say I'm going to give it probably between the same 7 to 10 range, uh, 7 to 8 range, um, just because I, I wanted a little bit more from it. it. There was a lot of, it was too quiet, too much, and I wanted more of a quicker pace at sometimes, but Amazing visuals, amazing job, Amazon Studios, and cannot wait for season two. But hey, tell us your thoughts. What did you think of the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power series? You can go back and watch all eight episodes streaming now on Amazon Prime. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, 
and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.